Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 8, The Arrival of the Son of Man. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week was our episode in this summer series titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Art 7, Signs of the End of the Age, on July 17th. One thing we should note is how all three authors allude to the fact that the time is near, but not yet. It should also be noted that Jesus first gives them a caution to beware of deception. They were to be constantly on their guard, as many would arise to deceive the people. Jesus explains that many people will come in his name, not in the name or by the authority of Jesus, but in the name of the Messiah or claiming to be the Messiah. These are those who perpetrate very convincing falsehood or falsehoods, of which, today, I believe, are far more easy to believe than in the day this scripture addresses. This is in part due to things like television, radio, the internet, and scam phone calls, to name a few. Look how easily so many people are convinced to give money to a total stranger because of a convincing phone call they get at random. The perpetrator gives a convincing story, and soon someone has little or no money at all, and little chance to get it back. That is just one of many examples of modern-day falsehoods deployed in many places around the world. So, how many false messiahs have affected the world? Barnes' New Testament Notes commentary told us that the names of 24 false messiahs are recorded as having appeared between the time of... To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 7, Signs of the End of the Age. This week, as my subtitle says, we will examine the arrival of the Son of Man. Are we really going to find a way to know the day and hour of Christ's arrival? Can such a sign or signs really be found in the Bible? Anywhere in the Bible? Let us see just what this scripture passage is telling us. Again, let me state, in order to do this, we will look at three authors writing on this subject of study, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John, the author of the fourth gospel, took an entirely different means of expression. He primarily expressed God's love in his writings of the Gospel of John. However, there are some comments sprinkled throughout the book that coincide. However, we will confine ourselves to the first three. So, John has no associated comments that directly bear on this subject. The book of Revelation is the only writings of John that gives us any further help from him. Also, we will continue to look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke 
in that order because that is the order in which they are in our Bibles. However, in this study, we will look at a point made by Luke and then compare it to Mark and Matthew to better examine that portion of Scripture. Now, moving forward, starting in Matthew, we read, Immediately after the suffering of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man arriving on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet blast, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. In Mark we read, But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man arriving in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send angels, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Now in Luke we read, And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and on the earth nations will be in distress, anxious over the roaring of the sea and surging waves. People will be fainting from fear and from the expectation of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man arriving in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to happen, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. First, if we take these three passages literally, we are now believing in an end-of-the-age ascension of God's people from this earth. This is due to not reading the full text where a clue for us lies. Notice the second sentence in Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, Mark chapter 21, verse 26, and Luke chapter 21, verse 27. In that order, they read, They will see the Son of Man arriving on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Then everyone will see the Son of Man arriving in the clouds with great power and glory. And then they will see the Son of Man arriving in a cloud with power and great glory. While phrased a bit differently, they all clearly say the same thing. Notice further how Matthew sounds like the book of Revelation. Matthew says in the full verse, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man arriving on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. From Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. Did we not read these very similar words in the book of Revelation? The answer to that question is, yes, we did. So, it is very important that we do not misinterpret what Matthew is telling us. This is about the end of the age the end of the Great Tribulation period, and what is immediately coming at the end of the age of the Great Tribulation period. While both are rendered differently, they both mean the same thing. So, 
Even though it may seem at first that we have an answer to a definite day and time, we do not. Nonetheless, these scripture passages are twisted that way by those teaching them to say what scripture really does not say. Not everywhere, but here in America, I have seen many twist the meaning of these verses. Again, we have no defined time, no leading prophecy to even give us a clue outside of some scripture that tells us to keep our eyes open and looking toward heaven. Getting back to our subject, notice we have heard what the gospel writers said before. I mentioned how they sound like the writings in the book of Revelation. Notice, look, he is returning with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes on the earth will mourn because of him. This will certainly come to pass. Amen. From Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Notice how this portion of Revelation verse 7 is in italics. He is returning with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Comma. The rest of the verse is in normal text. This is presented this way because it is a quote from another known Bible writer in the Bible. Matthew comes to mind here. Again, this is a very clear and blatant return of Christ, not at all what we are examining in this week's scripture, a particular return of Christ that the world does not see and only marks afterward. Later still, in the Great Tribulation period, it will be downplayed. That is not about a hidden event of which we are talking about. Described here is a very vivid and very much seen event by the whole world, not the hidden return of Christ before the Great Tribulation begins. Now, we should also note how different these same passages are in the three Gospels we are examining. Let us read all three to mark the differences. Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31 reads, Immediately after the suffering of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man arriving on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet blast, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Mark chapter 13, verse 24 through 27 reads, But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man arriving in the clouds, with great power and glory. Then he will send angels, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. And Luke chapter 21, verse 25 through 28 reads, And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and on the earth 
Nations will be in distress, anxious over the roaring of the sea and the surging waves. People will be fainting from fear and from expectation of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man arriving in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to happen, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. I hope you noticed the divergence of each author as I spoke happens in a different earlier episode in this series. Yes, there is commonality, but some individualistic divergence is also very apparent. Notice how Luke says what Matthew and Mark said, but in a more compact form because he adds to it. Luke says in verse 25, And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and on the earth nations will be in distress, anxious over the roaring of the sea and the surging waves. Yes, he speaks of the same things, but Luke adds, Quote, and on the earth nations will be in distress, anxious over the roaring sea and the surging waves. End quote. If nothing else, this tells us that each author was indeed writing to a different audience. After all, Matthew and Mark also make quotes that render slightly differently. Mark says, But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man arriving in the clouds with great power and glory. Matthew says the same thing this way. Immediately after the suffering of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man arriving on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Notice the slight differences of Matthew and Mark, yet they both say the same thing. Yet, even as they quote, they each say it a bit differently. Notice that neither tells us what they are quoting. However, the bottom line is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all telling us the same thing. However, by reading all three, we now have a more complete understanding of the time immediately following the Great Tribulation period. So, while looking for different facts, we still have uncovered more about the arrival of Jesus on the clouds. The complete view of these three authors is as follows, as I have compiled them. Immediately after the suffering of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. On the earth, nations will be in distress, anxious over the roaring of the sea and the surging waves. People will be fainting from fear and from expectation of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. 
then he will send angels, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. But when these things begin to happen, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. The disciples had asked him, what should be the sign of his coming and the end of the world? In his answer, he has reference to both events, and his language may be regarded as descriptive of both. At the destruction of Jerusalem, the sign or evidence of his coming was found in the fulfillment of these predictions. At the end of the world, the sign of his coming will be his personal approach with the glory of his Father and the holy angels. In the clouds of heaven, he ascended in a cloud, Acts chapter 1 verse 9. He shall return in like manner, Acts chapter 1 verse 11. The clouds of heaven denote not the clouds in heaven, but the clouds that appear to shut heaven or the sky from our view. With power, power manifest in the destruction of Jerusalem by the wonders that preceded it and by the overturning of the temple and city in the day of judgment, power manifest by consuming the material world by raising the dead, by changing those who may be alive when he shall come, that is, making their bodies like those who have died and been raised up by bringing the affairs of the world to a close, receiving the righteous to heaven, and by sending the wicked, however numerous or however strong, down to hell. Great glory. The word glory here means the visible display of his honor and majesty. This glory will be manifested by the manner of his coming, by the presence of the angels, and by the wonders that shall attend him down the sky. From Barnes New Testament Notes. In that commentary passage, Acts chapter 1, verse 9 and verse 11, are referenced. Let's read the context both verses are in. So, when they had gathered together, they began to ask him, Lord, is this the time when you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? He told them, You are not permitted to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the farthest parts of the earth. After he had said this, while they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud hid him from their sight. As they were still staring into the sky while he was going, suddenly two men in white clothing stood near them, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you saw him go into heaven. I think that makes it quite clear that a second coming of Jesus to the earth will be highly visible. It is the catching up of his church body of full believers that is hidden when also the dead in Christ 
shall rise into heaven. Notice these comments. Angels signify literally messengers. The word is often applied to inanimate objects or to anything that God employs to rescue his people from danger, but it most commonly refers to the race of intelligences more exalted than man, who are employed often in the work of man's rescue from ruin and his salvation. In either of these senses, it might here refer to deliverance granted to his people in the calamities of Jerusalem. It is said that there is reason to believe that not one Christian perished in the destruction of that city, God having in various ways secured their escape, so that they fled to Pella, where they dwelt when the city was destroyed. But the language seems to refer rather to the end of the world, and no doubt its principal application was intended to be the gathering of his elect at the day of judgment. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. In closing, notice this from this passage referring to those saved in Christ and in Jerusalem. It is said that there is reason to believe that not one Christian perished in the destruction of that city, God having in various ways secured their escape so that they fled to Pella, where they dwelt when the city was destroyed. But the language seems to refer rather to the end of the world, and no doubt its principal application was intended to be the gathering of his elect at the day of judgment. The day of judgment is the seven-year tribulation, which is also referred to by the Old Testament authors as the day of judgment. This does not discount the Bema Seat judgment, which is an entirely different subject. After all, judgment is what the Great Tribulation period is about. Some will be no doubt saved in that period of time. For them, Mark alludes to them being taken when he says in chapter 13, verse 27, Then he will send angels, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Mark is the only one to include the word, quote, earth, end quote, in his statement. However, it would appear from the way Matthew used his language of his day that he too said the same thing. We are not told why angels are used on this occasion, but they appear to be employed in all the great operations of providence. The phrases four winds, quote unquote, etc., indicate that the angelic search shall extend over the entire globe. The language is that which was then used when one desired to indicate the whole earth. It is based upon the idea which then prevailed that the earth is flat and that it extends outward in one vast plane until it meets and is circumscribed by the overarching heavens. From the Fourfold Gospel and Commentary on Acts of Apostles. Notice further, in relation to the destruction of Jerusalem, no one can fail to see that the language swells beyond any gathering of a human family into a church upon earth. 
and forces the thoughts outward to that gathering of the church, quote, at the last trump, end quote, to meet the Lord in the air, which is to wind up the present scene. Still, this is not, in our judgment, the direct subjective of the prediction, for Mark chapter 13, verse 28, limits the whole prediction to the generation then existing. From Robert Jameson, A.R. Fawcett, and David Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. Here is where some of the confusion occurs. Notice that as much as it may sound that we are being referred to as a post-tribulation event, it is no such thing. It is, maybe in our modern minds, a veiled or hidden statement of, yes, an ascension of God's people before the Great Tribulation. Next week, we will examine the following parable that reasserts what we have learned already. These words are from Jesus Christ himself. This parable will give us greater clarity of what we have already learned. Join us next week for our episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 9, The Parable of the Fig Tree. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes, without a citation, are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh, many sooner than others. 
Our website is located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.